And here we go. Live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, it's overtime with William Patterson, Dawson Wise, and Max Pennell joining you on a Friday night, rounding out your week, 865-546-8200, your number if you want to join us in this hour. Uh, later on, we will talk about the Lady Vols taking a, a tough one last night to the South Carolina Gamecocks in Food City Center. We'll break that down. We'll also talk about testing out of the draft, um, a, a specific um, sports agency is directing its NFL draft prospects not to participate in the cognitive testing and the pre-draft evaluation process. We'll break that down. And we'll also get you ready for NBA All-Star Weekend, all of that and more on this hour. But we begin the episode, or I guess begin the hour with uh, Joshy Boy, who is on the line. What's up, Joshy? What's up, guys? How are you? Good. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Good. Okay, so uh, all so far I've locked in for uh, tomorrow. I'm not playing anything tonight on the board except for a college baseball parlay. Y'all want it? Yeah, go ahead and give it to us. It's uh, TCU Moneyline against uh, Florida Gulf Coast. Texas Moneyline against Southern. And uh, Tennessee Moneyline against uh, Texas Tech. All right, just all right, so – uh, say that one more time for our, our listeners. Tennessee money line versus Texas Tech. Texas money line versus Southern, and uh, TCU money line versus Florida Gulf Coast. All right, good deal. A little three legger there. Yeah, after I, if you use a profit boost, it should come out to plus two hundred on it. Oh wow! Okay, there you go. Yeah. So. uh the only thing I really like so far tomorrow is Auburn seven and a half against Kentucky. What do you guys think? Yeah, I saw that too. Um, opportunity um, at home for Auburn to get another big win. Uh, Kentucky's been so streaky as of late. They, you know, beat Ole Miss on what was it Wednesday night? Or, yeah, or two, yeah, Wednesday night. Um, but you know, as we talked about yesterday, um, Ole Miss is probably the least of the bubble teams in the SEC. Um, a really kind of cupcake-loaded schedule early on that has that uh, record looking a lot better than it actually is. Um, but Kentucky, they, look, they've got an opportunity tomorrow to see if they they figured things out and can beat a big dog, and that would be Auburn on the road. Uh, but I do like Auburn 7.5 um, at home, especially after what they did to South Carolina at home the other night. Yeah, yeah I would look at that over as well. I mean, Auburn just put up 100 points. We saw when they played another fast-paced kind of – offensive-minded team in Alabama that also turned into a high-scoring affair. Kentucky, uh, they're, they're basically yeah. Alabama with even worse defense. Mm-hmm. I know they yeah, looked I... okay against Ole Miss, but you know Ole Miss is not the threat that Auburn is offensively, so I wouldn't be afraid to take that over either. Yeah, it's true. Dawson, uh, I kind of agree with you. I'd, I think uh, Trey gets it done tomorrow on the three-point shooting contest and wins. Yeah, I, I mean, being from Atlanta – for the last seven years, I've had to watch a lot of Trey Young. And, and I don't know – I looked earlier at the odds. I don't know why they have him third uh, because of the guys he's behind. Damian Lillard I get, okay, fine. Uh, but Halliburton is not shooting particularly well from three. He's good from three, but he's not near the top of the NBA in three-point percentage. Now, he's missed several games. But I just I did not like him being at, at the top of the odds. Uh, and I like the value you get for plus 600 for Trey Young. I mean, you yeah. know he's yeah. going to put on a show. Yeah, I also right. kind of figure they've got – uh, Halliburton so high because of his home court, kind of that home court advantage. I guess your own but rims, still. but but when all the lights come on, it's a little bit different than you know a, a normal night. So true, especially they, they got the LED court this year too. That'll oh, be interesting. Oh, I saw to that. Watch. Yeah, this could be interesting. Oh wow, yeah, and uh, it's an all star tradition. So uh, take the over in the all star game three sixty three and a half. That is a yeah, three sixty a lot of scoring. Oof. Yeah, man. So, uh, what do you guys think about tomorrow's game against Vandy? Do you think there's any chance Vandy gives Tennessee a close game, or do you think it's uh, pretty much a blowout? Uh, you know, uh, we really think this is kind of a, a blow-away game for Tennessee. Um, Vanderbilt's just completely outmatched and, um, you know, struggles to shoot the ball, struggles, I mean, from three, they're 347th in the country, um, 342 in effective field goal percentage. So, um, th- this is uh, – just totally outmatched game for Vanderbilt. 
especially going on the road where Tennessee's played well. Um, I, I expect Tennessee to run away with this one. Yeah. So, uh, you think there's a chance for uh, the bench to get a lot of playing time in this game if Tennessee's up by a lot? Yeah, I mean, definitely have the opportunity for that. And as Dawson alluded to in the first hour, uh, a couple opportunities to kind of try some things out. Maybe um, throw in Estrella alongside Adu and see how that tandem works together. Yeah. Um, giving a little bit more size down low. Um, just, I don't know, kind of work work some things out, play situational. Um, you know, I, I think it's uh, not to be disrespectful, but could very well be a glorified scrimmage game um, in the second half if, if you, you know, handle business in that first half. Right. So, uh, what do you guys think about tonight's matchup with Texas Tech? Do you think it's going to be a really good game, or do you think Tennessee wins by a couple of runs? Uh, I think it'll be a good game. Uh, both these teams, the first showing of the year. We, we still have a few guys we're not sure how they're going to translate to being in the SEC level yet. So, uh, with a new lineup, a couple new faces in the lineup, and guys shuffling around, I think it'll be a pretty good game. Uh, I'm most looking forward to AJ Russell. I think though, getting a really huge start tonight. It's going to be fun to watch him uh, watch him deal it for a little bit. Yeah, I think yeah. it'll be uh, competitive. It's also in a big league ballpark, That's so true. I think the uh, offensive numbers will be a little down. And you know, don't freak out if there aren't a ton of home runs or the offense isn't. Yeah isn't at the level that we have expected it to be just because, you know, they're playing in a stadium that's much larger than Lindsey Nelson and most SEC stadiums. So might expect to uh, see a little more small ball possibly, you know, get guys running a little more, bunting, sack flies, et cetera. Uh, see how much they value each run as comparison to, okay, we can win a slugfest. I'm really excited uh, to see Billy Amick and uh, Cannon Peebles play tonight. Yeah, so are yeah. we. That was a couple of guys we talked about earlier. Um, you know, two transfers coming in, very highly touted. Um, really excited to see what they bring to this team if they're able to uh, carry over the sex- success they had at their previous locations uh, and bring that to Knoxville. So, uh, if Tennessee does make it back to Omaha again this season, do you think there is a chance for them to make a run at Omaha and put, put themselves in position to make the championship? I think it's a little early to tell right now. Obviously, right. we got to see how um, you know the other teams that make it there and what their play styles are and how that that compares to what Tennessee offers. Um, but you know, on, on paper, I think Tennessee will be uh, very competitive in the SEC. Probably one of the top two teams, along with Florida. Um, and if you're one of the best teams in the SEC, traditionally, uh, you're one of the better teams in the country. So um, I, I think Tennessee has all the intangibles to make that run. But um, especially, um, be interesting to see. Uh, I guess the the rest of the bullpen you have uh, pitching wise and how they develop, um, and then what you get from your outfield. Um, that's really kind of the one of the bigger question marks in terms of returning production. Guys, anything you want to add? I was going to say it depends on your pitching depth, who yeah. your third starter is, who else can come in in a pinch, do a bullpen game kind of thing. And once we figure that out, I think we'll know more for sure. Yeah, and it, it's Omaha is so far down the road. Um, yeah, it, we'll know those things by then. But obviously, once you get into a a tournament style like Omaha is, you need a ton of pitching depth. I mean, you can't get by with one or two good starters and one or two relievers because of the back-to-backs and the, you know, seven games in nine days. So that's something that, you know, is a question mark for all of us that if we want to get to the heights we think this team can, they're going to need to have that ironed out come May and June. Yeah. I staying out the door, I know they're not going to have like a guy – as good as Chase Burns was, he was an alpha dog. But Tennessee needs like that third guy that they can rely on that uh, can give them uh, some pitching depth and uh, just shut them down. You have a good night. Uh, you as well, Josh. You have a great weekend. Uh, who do you guys think that could possibly be? I think it's Seacrest. Uh, just for experience' sake, he's earned the right to get the ball at least early in the year, yeah. uh, and has several wipeout pitches. I mean, he's got great stuff. He just needs to get an opportunity, I think, to go a little bit longer in a game. Uh, but if he can give you six innings, especially if he were to get the ball on Sunday against what is a very talented Baylor team, uh, I, I think he probably earns that spot and at least earns some trust. 
I think Nate Sneed might be that guy. You know, he Could was a be. big name coming over from Wichita State. Electric stuff. I mean, triple digits on his fastball. Uh, unsure of what his role is going to be yet. You mentioned Seacrest. I expect him to be the number three to start the year, but I think the upside with Snead is a little too much to ignore. Maybe he does adopt that Chase Burns role of last year where he gives you some length out of the pen, a flamethrower, a different look than what the starter is. Um, but his upside is very much real to me. His stuff is very real. Does it play better over two or three innings instead of five or six? Possibly. Um, but he's a guy that you know, I wouldn't be surprised that they give a shot at least at the number three starter role at some point this season. And if he reaches, if his stuff matches his uh, potential, you know, he's a guy that could be a, a one of the best number threes in the SEC, in my opinion. Yeah, great stuff there. All right, let's move on to the Lady Vols uh, as they took on the number one ranked South Carolina Gamecocks last night. The Vols pushed the Gamecocks to the limit, taking a tie game into the fourth quarter before falling to the undefeated Gamecocks 66-55 to in front of a season-high crowd of 11,073 at Food City Center. Uh, Fifth-year forward Rakia Jackson fired in 19 points to pace Tennessee uh, offensively, while junior forward Sarah Puckett contribu- uh, contributed 15 points, and fifth-year guard Jasmine Powell added 12 along with her team-high eight rebounds. Uh, South Carolina, on the other hand, the reason why they're undefeated uh, was led by six foot seven center uh, Camille uh, Camilla Carduso, who uh, notched a double double effort of 18 points and 10 boards. Uh, Ashland Watkins added a double double as well, tallying 14 and 10, uh, while Raven Johnson hauled down a game high 15 rebounds. Uh, guys, your takeaways from the Lady Vols loss. Dawson, we'll begin with you. Uh, the first one, and I think this is the biggest takeaway from the from any game this year. This team has a pulse. There is at least something there. At one point in the year, losing to MTSU, losing to Alabama last weekend by, I think, 16 on the road, uh, it just felt like this team was flat. They weren't going anywhere. They kind of just had punted this season for some reason. Uh, But now this effort combined with Arkansas on Monday, yeah, it's a loss. But, I mean, you gave them everything you could, Mm -hmm. uh, and they made them sweat. And they have not sweated much this year. Many of their 24 wins are by double digits. They're coming off an 18-point win against UConn and Gino Oriema, of all people, uh, in their home building last weekend. Uh, This team, they they can run with anyone in the country. Uh, you held the most dynamic offensive team but without a player named Caitlin Clark to mm-hmm. 66 points, yeah. um, and that's huge. And you made flashy plays. Man, that's the, some of the best that offense has looked in a long time, so that's huge. You've got multiple viable scoring threats on this team, too. Rikia Jackson is your centerpiece, but we knew mm-hmm. that already. Yeah. Uh, she's the, so the heartbeat of the team. She goes, the team goes kind of thing. Um, but several others, man. Sarah Puckett, that's her best effort of the year, I think. Uh, Jasmine Powell, at one point, just looked like nobody could stop her, yeah. uh, getting to the rim especially, um, and getting to the free throw line as well. And several others made huge statements. Uh, they've, they've got a pulse. They're alive. They can run with anyone in the country. But the fourth quarter collapse, I think, is, is the biggest takeaway. They, they, I think they just ran out of gas. Yeah. And to be fair, South Carolina – does that to teams. Their mm-hmm. depth, three deep, basically, could beat almost anyone in the country. So that's what they do. Uh, the Lady Balls ran out of gas and started to get desperate and fell apart. But uh, great signs coming out of this one that this team is alive and well, uh, and they seem to have picked it up right at the right time. I think it was a really impressive showing for the Lady Balls. You know, as we uh, mentioned, you know, a couple months ago, uh, we didn't know where this team was. You know, you had, uh, you know, competitive games with Memphis. Lady Vols have never Eastern had – Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, Eastern Kentucky. Uh, Lady Vols have never uh, had competitive games with Memphis, at least while I've been alive. Um, but I, I think, as you said, a really good point was it has a pulse. This is a team that can compete with the best and really take it down to the wire. I think the 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 changing moment of this game, um, South Carolina comes out with a big punch in that fourth quarter, goes up 52-48, I think. Something like that, yeah. Um, Lady Vols call timeout. They come out and score five quick ones again. Um, they just came out with a lot of juice in that fourth quarter um, and, and, as you said, kind of ran out of gas for the Lady Vols. Um, didn't shoot particularly well from the three-point line, uh, but your defense really uh, nerfed anything South Carolina tried to do in that first half and in and, and that third quarter as well. Uh, I think just ran out of juice, I think, is a really good way to phrase it. But um, it, it was a – it, look, you never have like a. I don't like moral victories. Like you know, you lose a game, but you're like, well, we we could have won. We played really well. It's a moral victory. But I do think this is a, a moral victory in a sense. Oh, the absolutely. fact that you can be competitive with the best team in the country, um, you know, even despite um, not shooting particularly well, 32 percent on the night. 
Um, but I think your defense really showed a, a lot. Max, anything to add in? Yeah, I think kind of what Dawson said that, you know, it's a stepping stone. It It's a confidence booster. When, like you said, you know, moral victories don't really get you anywhere. Uh, but it uh, Tennessee is now in the last four buys in the uh, ESPN updated women's bracketology today. Has that today. changed at all today? Because I know they were the last of the last four buys as of like they last went up night like one or two. Updated. Okay, so um, they moved up. But again. yeah, so it you know you got to feel at least comfortable that wasn't a game you had to have to make the tournament. It wasn't like back against the wall. So instead, all right, you t- you took your loss. There's some things to grow on from that loss, and you know you just got to hope that this team that's a stepping stone where this team peaks you know, at the right time of year. The slow mm-hmm. start doesn't matter if you're peaking in March. Mm-hmm. We've seen exactly. you know, so many teams and men's and women's that get hot in March and, and you forget about a bad loss you had. And, and I mean, you mentioned UConn last year. They lost, yeah. the, the men's team lost, you know, four or five or something mm-hmm. like that in January. Yeah. They, you think anyone up there cares about that? No. So, <laughs> no. hopefully this team, it's a stepping stone towards peaking at the right time, and that's uh, tournament play, which starts next month. Noted for tournament play really quickly in that bracketology. Last night, they were slated to be in the Blacksburg Regional, which is Virginia Tech that knocked them out last last year. year, Returns both of their stars as well, in Kitley and and Georgia Amor. Uh, Now slated to be the uh, uh, higher-up 11 seed, I think the second overall 11 seed, headed to Los Angeles to play in the USC Regional. I like that matchup a lot more. Yeah, yeah, and they've got a couple really talented uh, players on that team too. Um, all right, but even though there was a loss, I think there was a lot of good from the loss as well. In the first half of the of Thursday night's game, uh, Lady Vols held the nation's third-best scoring offense to just 25 points, its lowest scoring half of the season. Uh, during the second quarter, the Gamecocks tallied 10 points, which tied the lowest in a quarter this season and was the fewest in a second quarter. Uh, South Carolina shot 33% during the half and committed nine turnovers. Uh, the Big Orange helped top or helped held the top-ranked Gamecocks to their SEC low-point total of 66 on Thursday night. The 66 points also stands as the second-fewest by USC the entire season. Um, I think the Vols' defense got it done. Uh, What does that prove going forward, Dawson? Uh, Well, it proves they have the personnel, again, to play with anybody in the country on both ends of the floor. Uh, This is a total 180. I mean, earlier in the year, that was my biggest problem with the Lady Vols is they couldn't play defense. Mm -hmm. It felt like open shooters were always there. It's been a problem for three years now, but especially this year, it felt like just open lanes were always there. Mm -hmm. The last two games, I'm wondering if maybe the Alabama loss last Saturday kind of woke them up up and said, hey, uh, we need to figure something out because you gave up 85 85 Mm -hmm. or so points in that game. That's just that's not going to win you many games. Um, I, I guess it made them wake up. Boxed out really well, contested shots well, went right at Cardoso, which I didn't know if they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, six, seven thread up front. They they told Tamari Key go get her, and yeah. she did a couple times yeah. to her credit. Uh, and they made South Carolina work, which they again they have not had to do very much mm-hmm. this year. If everybody buys in, they can make games scrappy in March. I think they can beat a lot of teams in the nation playing like yeah. they did last night. South Carolina is head and shoulders above everybody else in the country, and mm-hmm. I don't think that's an overstatement. Yeah. Um, and they can keep you in it. The offense was not good last night, and 32% from the field, but the defense kept them in the game. It was yeah. stop after stop after stop uh, until the fourth quarter. And if you can do that against the Gamecocks, you can do that against anyone. Yeah, I think it proves, especially come tournament time, uh, if that Lady Vols defense shows up uh, once again, that's a team that can stop anyone. You just did it. I mean, we were talking about it on, uh, I guess, Monday. You know, they had just been UConn by double digits, Mississippi State by double digits, Missouri by double they digits. They beat everyone by double yeah, digits. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and, and there, I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess I just should have Other than LSU. It. Yeah, I guess I just should have phrased it as that. But this is a really good offense, and you're able to hold them to their lowest total in SEC play and second lowest total all season. Um, and also, you know, in that first half, holding them to 10 points in a quarter, that's really impressive stuff. Um, so I think it shows – that they can get it done defensively, and if they can just get a little bit of rhythm, especially late game from that offense, this is a team that could upset a team in the tournament, could make a a run to the second weekend of the tournament, and maybe beyond. Um, Just got to get that offense going. Uh, Max, anything you want to add? No, I think you guys hit the nail on the head there. Um, Now, talking about that offense, I I hate to bring it up, but we have to. Uh, The Lady Vols shot 11% from the three-point line and were outscored 18-7 in the fourth quarter where you went into that one tied. Uh, was the biggest letdown of the game the fourth quarter? Uh, I mean, well, yes, that and three-point shooting yeah. in general. Um, you feel like if you make six of 17, you probably mm-hmm. win the ball game, yeah. uh, and you're probably up by more. At one point, it was 14 to six, I think, in the first quarter. Yeah. 
they shot a couple threes, missed. Here comes South Carolina right back into the game. Mm-hmm. You bury a couple of those early ones, maybe the game goes differently, falls differently for you. Uh, and then especially you're already missing. And then in the fourth quarter, you're just heaving up threes because you're, you're out of gas. You're yeah. just trying to do whatever you can, and it wasn't working. Uh, Jewel Spear, particularly bad last night, a really off night for her. Everything she tried to do did not work. Uh, I don't know if it's a confidence issue, a moment issue, because – she really has not played in a ton of these big games yet. Um, you got to fig- get that figured out, though, before you get to the tournament. The problem is this team loves to shoot the three. I mean, they shot yeah. 17 last night. I think they shot 18 against Arkansas mm-hmm. on Monday. They love to do it, and when it's on, it's great, and they score a lot of points. When it's yeah. not, ugh, it, it looks really bad, and that's what happened last night. I, I'm surprised they were able to scrap out what they did in the offensive side of the game. Max? Yeah, you live and die by the three. That's uh... – can be your own undoing at sometimes, um, and yeah, the fourth quarter, you know, you're you're right there in striking distance. I do think part of it as well, uh, mentally, you know, in any sport, uh, specifically basketball as well. When it, when you're an underdog, and you know, everyone should go into a game expecting to win. That's you know, coach needs to have everyone with that expectation, etc. But when when you're the underdog and that team throws that what feels like the knockout punch, it's really hard to get up off the mat and counter. And I think that's kind of what happened in the fourth quarter. They they missed some shots. South Carolina threw that knockout punch, and the team just kind of got away from them. They started forcing shots, like you said, Dawson. And that's never a recipe for success. So that was disappointing, albeit uh, moral victories still in that loss. But you certainly felt like that one, you know, you make a couple shots, you play a little smarter in the fourth quarter. It could have gone your way or at least been a little closer come down to the final minute or so. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think you all both – you know, hit it well there. You know, when you die, when live and die by the three, um, you hate that it has to come up in the <clears throat> biggest game of the season in, in an opportunity where you have to knock the team off um, that you're just not clicking. And, you know, it, it's just how basketball is. It's just how college sports are, not always um, getting it done. Um, and you hate to have a, a rut like that in a game like that. But, again, makes it encouraging yes. when you shoot yes. two for yes. 17 from three and yet the game is tied going into the yes. fourth quarter. I mean, it proves you at least were able to have some success offensively and defensively to exactly. still be in that game. Yeah, exactly. Now, this is something I want to bring up as well. Obviously, every time there's a big loss or something doesn't go particularly well, everyone on Vault Twitter will head straight to the, the keyboard to start voicing their opinions about Kelly Harper. Um, and I, I'll, I'll go ahead and be on the record. I love Kelly. I think she's uh, great, great attitude, um, players coach, well liked by everyone. Oh, absolutely. Um, I had an opportunity to, to work with her on a, on a project I did for Tamari Key. Very helpful, very nice person. I can't say a foul thing about her. Um, however, there's been a lot of up and down this season, and um, you know there, there's some people out there that think that Harper is not capable of getting this Lady Vols team to where they want to be and where all time and, and historically usually are, and that's in the Final Four and competing for championships. Is Kelly Harper the right coach for this team, Dawson? I've been back and forth on this the last three years that I've gotten to be able to watch this team. Um, I'm still not fully on board. Uh, I still say – I'm not going to say for sure no, like, oh, we should fire her right now. I'm not on that train yet. Sure. Um but I just – I don't think so. Uh, she hasn't proven with top five talent that she can get past this, the beginning of the second weekend uh, when really the last two years you had pretty favorable matchups in those games uh, against teams you should have beaten, especially two years ago against Louisville. That Louisville team uh, was not incredible. They were good, but they were not mm-hmm. uh, unbeatable. Uh, she can't recruit from the high school level at all. Uh, zero 2024 high school recruits, and that's not good. Uh, you're not going to win doing that. South Carolina loads up double-digit classes yes. every year. Yep. Iowa, UConn gets players from high school, and that's why they win games. You have to be able to recruit from high school. Uh, my question's always been, how is she not able to? With the tradition this program yes. has, yeah. how are you unable to get high school players to come to Knoxville? Mm-hmm. There's some kind of deeper issue with it. I'm not sure what it is. Now, she's done a great job out of the portal. Rakia Jackson has been outstanding. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Horston was outstanding for them for a couple of years. Several other players that have come out of the portal. Joel Spear, uh, Destiny Wells before she suffered an injury in December. Uh, so she's done well there, but that that's not long-term success. You're not going to do that long-term. Uh, you've had top five level talent and been preseason top five for three years in a row. And both the last two, you got out in the Sweet 16, and this year you're losing to MTSU. Um, now, if she can scramble, make a run to the Elite Eight, okay, maybe I'm back on board. Mm-hmm. But if you're out first weekend, if you're out in the Sweet 16, I don't know. I just can't get on board with that. Max? Yeah, you know, I, I, I like you said, William, seems to bring a great energy, uh, good face for the program as well, you know, very connecting with the fans, former player, someone that, you know, I think the fan base wants to like 
and wants to get behind because it seems like she really does care about the program and cares about being a Tennessee volunteer. Um, but like you said, Dawson, I just think for better or for worse, kind of what we're talking about with the baseball team as well, the expectations are what they are for the Lady Vols basketball team. And, and to put it frankly, she hasn't met those expectations. You know, Sweet Sits teens are nice, but they just need to be a building block for a run a year or two down the stretch. You know, Rick Barnes gets to Sweet Sits teens and we're, we're wanting more. You can't be taking steps back after reaching that point. That's got to be the launching pad. And this year, obviously, is a regression from those two seasons. Um, and I, I just think, you know, Pat Summit's not coming around. I think some of the fan base does need to realize that th- this program probably isn't going to be perennial national champion, Final Four level good. Pat Summit made the program what it was, and part of me wonders, is the program Pat Summit or is it an actual sustainable program? Um, you know, we've seen other programs across, you know, men's and women's basketball that it was more a coach than it was the the institution. So, uh, but Kelly Harper just, you know, as much as it feels like I want her to succeed, I just don't think, and like you said, Dawson, you can't, you're not, your, your program's never going to be stable if you're not bringing in high school level talent. I know you're going to yeah. lose some people to the portal, but you need to at least have that foundational piece of, okay, we have some high school level talent in here. We're not reliant on, you know, portal year after year after year because that's so hit or miss. Hey, yeah. Just a couple things real quick. Number one, Holly Warlick did more with the Lady Vols and got fired for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she went to an Elite Eight, which is Kelly Harper has yet to do. Uh, and got fired. Mm-hmm. So uh, Kelly Harper's in what year five? She's been to mm-hmm. two Sweet Sixteens, maybe a third one this year. But I mean, how long do you give her before? Because you know, Holly Warlick did more with yeah. less. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I question too, uh, if you move on from head coach, do you uh, look elsewhere? Because I think they've kind of kept on uh, of the pat. They've kind of held on to the Pat Summit tree, uh, trying to get former players and, and people that were um, affected by her. Um, I think the smart move might be looking elsewhere, people that don't have direct relations to Tennessee previously. Um, now, I did see, and, and we know how you know uh, ridiculous some of these statements are on Twitter, but I saw someone suggest uh, getting Candace Parker to be your next head coach. It'd be a very cool story. Cool moment. Will uh, she win basketball games? Yeah. So I'm not sure. And another one, you know, Max and I were driving home the other night uh, from the show, and I, I brought up the fact that some Tennessee fans think that uh, the Vols could just go throw $4 million at Dawn Staley and bring I her I saw in. an article in, in, on an actual sports site that was written. It said <laughs> I mean, the Vols need to – Danny White needs to give a blank check to Dawn Staley I mean, and bring her it, to Knoxville. Just sports don't work like that. No. I mean, I just – She's <laughs> not leaving. Yeah, and I, I don't no. think she'd leave after – especially what she's built there at South Carolina. But um, I like Harper a lot. Just, I mean, at, at some point, it doesn't matter how good a, a person – uh, is you got to win games. You got to win games, and you got to get it done. If you're not doing that, you have to start looking elsewhere. I think that's the position yeah. uh, the Lady Vols are, are encroaching on right now. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about testing out of the NFL draft right here on Overtime. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865-966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team, delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics athletics today are you in need of a smile makeover hi i'm dr michael costa at knoxville smiles and if you're ready to improve your smile replace teeth that are missing make your dentures tighter add implants to your mouth whatever you may need we're here to discuss a wide range of easy pain-free cosmetic and restorative procedures that can create a glowing radiant smile that you've always dreamed of don't wait any longer the time is now call us today at knoxville smiles and schedule your appointment at 865-539-1776 or go online to knoxvillesmiles.com you can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. 
inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Is your home's exterior in need of a makeover? If so, it's time to call North Knox Siding and Windows. Transform your home's curb appeal with premium siding options. From classic to modern styles, they've got something to suit every taste. Upgrade to energy efficient windows that'll keep your home comfortable all year round while saving you money on your energy bills. North Knox Siding and Windows, get ready to fall in love with your home all over again. Online at NorthKnoxSidingAndWindows.com. Life is more fun with a Good Life checking account, offering extra benefits including bank travel. Join us for a trip to Mackinac Island for a stay at the beautiful Grand Hotel. Travel with us to southern Utah to witness the enormous, colorful, and unusual rock formations. Or join us on one of our many day trips. We're always on the go. Citizens National Bank. Banking never felt so good. Member FDIC. Back here on Overtime, rounding out a Friday afternoon episode. Thank you so much for listening along with us. Let's talk about the NFL draft. Um, some news came out today that Athletes First, which is a um, sporting agency, is directing its NFL draft prospects not to participate in any cognitive testing in the pre-draft evaluation processes this year. Uh, one of the leading agencies representing NFL players, Athletes First, emailed NFL teams last month to notify them of the decision. Uh, three executives for two different NFL clubs confirmed that they did receive the email. Um, after much internal, and this is a quote, um, after much internal discussion, the agents at Athletes First have directed our draft prospects to respectfully pass on participating in any cognitive or psychological testing during the pre-draft pre-draft processes, uh, the email read. And uh, one of the guys that wasn't directly named in this, but it was C.J. Stroud. I don't know if you guys remember last year. Yeah, uh, Stroud was kind of a victim of this um, because a lot of questions came out that he got a 18 out of 100 on the S2 test, uh, one of several cognitive tests that the NFL uh, teams request players to take in the pre-draft processes. Um, and Stroud, it didn't really drop his draft, uh, drop his draft stock, but it was something that when they compare the other quarterbacks that are um, up to be, you know, selected so high, um, it was kind of a knock on Stroud. And uh, you might be asking, you know, what what is this test you're talking about, William? Well, it is a nine part battery of tests. The S two, unlike its Wonderlick pre uh, predecessor, doesn't measure an athlete's intelligence, but instead their processing speed, reaction time, and ability to digest information and respond under duress. It lasts around 45 minutes, and it is completed during a specially designed gaming laptop and a response pad that tracks pattern recognition and impulse control. Uh, a lot of uh, over-the-head stats there, but just want to kind of get it out there what it is. Is a test like this even necessary for a, a football draft? Max, we'll begin with you. I think I wouldn't necessarily put it as necessary, but I do think it's something that is worthwhile. You know, the athletes first is taking the stance they, they don't want to do it. I understand their angle, but I also understand the, the other side of if you're an NFL team is, you know, uh, especially with quarterbacks, but everybody is you want to know what they are above the shoulders as well. Someone can be a great player, but we've seen numerous examples of guys that, you know, maybe to, you know, whether it's CTE induced, whatever, um, you know, make poor decisions, life decisions. Um, a lot of that is also studied when you're evaluating a prospect. What are they like off the field, et cetera? But I just think, you know, 
I don't know. I think it's a, a tangible resource that no NFL team is going to put a ton of stock in, but I do think it's something that's worthwhile to to evaluate a player. You know, 40 speed, 40 time is great, but there's also other things that go into being an NFL player. You know, reading a defense, reading an offense, uh, understanding uh, what scheme you're in, etc. So I understand why it's been around, and, and I think there's no issue with it being around. I get athletes' first opinion on it. Um, I always enjoyed seeing the Wonderlick scores and S2 scores guys would have and kind of comparing over the years. I think Vince Young was like the worst ever for a quarterback, and Fitzpatrick obviously went to Harvard, had like a 49 out of 50 or something. Um, but, you know, I, I equate it a little bit to, you know, whenever you, you graduate college, whatever, you, you know, you got to tell people what your GPA was in college, and it's kind of that thing where it's like companies aren't going to put a ton of stock in that, but it's just, you know, something that if it comes down to two people, maybe that's something they look at. So that's kind of how I equate it to the NFL is they care more about how far they can throw the ball, how fast they can run. But if they're between two guys, maybe it helps them sway their decision. So I'm a fan of it, but uh, not going to be devastated if it goes away. I understand the, the rationale behind it. Yeah, I don't think I'm as much of a fan of it as Max is. Um, I just don't – I feel like there's other ways you can test these things for quarterbacks especially, but for football players in general. Uh, do do it in a more football related manner, right? Do do some combine drills or something, pro day drills where you have them under duress and have them actually do it on the football field. I understand you're you're going to make that connection. Okay, well, if they they can't respond well to duress on this test, well then they're not going to do it on the football field either. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe, uh, but obviously we've seen this year, and Stroud is a great example of this, where uh, his test score did not translate to how he is under duress on the football field. Uh, he gets under pressure, is able to roll out and still make plays. That test score of 18, I don't think really affected that. Uh, I don't think it affected him really at all. Uh, still an elite quarterback under duress. A test score did not change that. Uh, and like you said, it didn't really change his draft stock either. So necessary, uh, no, I don't think so. We, we shouldn't be having teams think about passing on players because of a test score rather than something that's related to football, in my opinion. It's not fair to the player. It's not fair to the team. Mm-hmm. Um, because maybe they pass on a guy that ends up being a franchise player because he gets a bad score on a, a mental capacity test or, or uh, uh, instincts test, I guess is what this is. I think it's an interesting tool to know, but at the same time, I, I don't like how it's designed. Um, you know, Putting a, an athlete or anyone in front of a laptop for 45 minutes um, and running a series of tests is probably not the, the top thing on the list of things you want to do that day. Uh, and some people also just aren't good test takers. Like they just they don't respond the same way um, to taking a test. I mean, I don't if you you guys took the ACT, um, and and you know I, I did too. Some people are really good at taking tests; they perform well. Um, others struggle at it. And I think, it, like like Dawson's saying, if there's a way that you could make it in a football situation, um, I think that'd be a lot more beneficial. Um, now, however. Uh, you know, the, the the logistics of that are probably a little difficult to figure out how you mock a S2 test onto the football field. Um, but I see both sides here. I understand athletes first seeing, you know, what happened with Stroud last year. Very well could have been the number one pick. Um, we saw what he's able to do this year. The big knock on him around the draft was that, well, he, he did a terrible job on his S2 score. He, he's not, he, not going to be able to, um, you know, break down a defense quickly enough. He's not going to be able to perform well under duress. Um, and, and clearly those, those metrics failed um, to really tell the true story about C.J. Stroud, what we saw this year. Um, so I understand. I think it's kind of just a, a meaningless test in the agency's eyes. But for the NFL scouts, they, I guess, just want a little bit more information. Um, you know, just kind of like, you know, uh, where are you, if you go on a date, where you're from, you know, what you're interested in, just so you can build a profile of this guy is really, I think, what the test is built there for. Um, but at the same time, don't like the way it's – presented I think being in front of a computer is kind of difficult anything to add guys I just I guess to clarify what I'm saying is I don't think NFL teams should put much stock in it and if they are that's a detriment to them because that's right you know you can say oh he performed poorly on you know CJ Stroud performed poorly under duress on this test but you can watch game film and say okay how did he actually do when there's pressure I just think of it more as like a sorting tool where it's like okay this is a threshold or something that we're looking for we put this much stock in it uh, we're between two guys. We really can't pick apart. Maybe they lean into that a little bit. Sure. Um, I don't. Any team that's you know using it as a real metric to draft someone, that they're in trouble because that that doesn't measure really anything that's important. I guess I'm just if I was a team scout, knowing how the NFL is, and knowing stories about past players, 
some way, and this might not be the best way, and it probably isn't, just to know, okay, how are they going to do not on Sundays? Are they someone, you know, we the story about Johnny Manziel didn't watch a second <laughs> of film. Yeah. How can you take a test or, or something to quantify, all right, is this guy going to be attentive in meetings? Is he someone that's going to grow week to week? Okay, this is what I struggled with. How do I build on that through meetings? Because a lot of preparation and winning is done Monday through Saturday in the NFL by putting together a game plan, et cetera. And I guess there's no real true answer to that. You can talk to their college coaches some, but I just know, you know, the stories about so many players and quarterbacks specifically that really didn't put the effort in to be as good as they, they could be. How do you how do you find a way to measure that? Is is, is this someone that's gonna spend time beyond what's required to really hone their craft? Yeah. That's a fair point. I guess I was just thinking of it more in the football light of uh, when you have that film. That's why I don't think it's necessary when you can say, well, he got a bad score on the test, but here's a piece of film. Great under duress. I, I just, to me, it just feels like it's a little bit redundant to have yeah. two different things showing you the same metric. From the uh, agency perspective here, a good move for them to say, look, our clients are not going not to involved with this. I mean, they're trying to make as much money as possible out of the agents, <laughs> and I think they know a, a good score doesn't really help them that much. A bad score loses them some money. So right. I think they're just trying to uh, make sure they don't lose any money on a guy that probably should go you know, whatever round, whatever draft value, uh, because you got a poor score on this. Yeah, uh, to me, again, I think they're just asking the question, like, why Why are teams so focused on this test? Focus on the football, I think, is what they're trying to say. They're going to make a statement of it this year. Mm-hmm. We'll see how, obviously, the guys that are under this agency pan out as compared to the guys that are still going to take the S2 test. I guess we'll just have to wait and see sure. um, for when they get drafted and start to play in the NFL. Uh, to me, it's just an extra hurdle. It's an extra added test where you can still test this on a football capacity throughout the, co- the course of the combine, the pro days, and, and all that that you do. Uh, it just It's obviously not going to be beneficial to them if they have a guy go in, get a bad score like C.J. Stroud. All of a sudden mm-hmm. he's picked ninth instead of second. Yeah. That's a money gap. That's a money gap for them as well as an agency like Max yeah. touched on. Yeah. They're trying to maximize their profits. So, for yeah, for their perspective, it is a good move. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Um, if I were trying to make money and knew that if uh, one of my clients did something that could lose me money, I'd probably say, eh, let's, not, let's just not do that. You know. Yeah. Uh, so – um, especially with something that doesn't necessarily have to do with football. Now, like opting out of the combine or something like that, that's a whole different story. A test like this, I think it's a, a little bit different. But um, good good, good move for the uh, the agencies. Hopefully they'll save a little cash. Trying to line one. their pockets a little more. Yeah, exactly. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about the NBA All-Star Weekend, which tips off tonight right here on Overtime. The superbly versatile all-electric EQB from Mercedes-Benz a compact SUV that's full of big surprises. An optional fold-out third row offers luxurious comfort for up to seven occupants. And almost 24 cubic feet of cargo space means this compact SUV is big enough to handle anything you can throw at it or in it. You can set the tone any way you like with 64 color customizable ambient lighting throughout. And just like every other Mercedes-Benz EV, the EQB features the very latest generation MBUX voice-activated tech. So whether you want to set a new destination, change the tunes, or tune up the heat, all you have to say is, hey, Mercedes, this vehicle's all electric, the feeling's all Mercedes. Test drive the EQB today at your local dealer or learn more at MBUSA.com slash EQB. That's MBUSA.com slash EQB. eBay Motors here for the ride. Elbow grease and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it all at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home the win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What is dedication? My biggest fear in the middle of my addiction was that my kids wouldn't have a father. And I started thinking, you know what? This isn't my story. I definitely had to become a better man to be a better father. It's important to me that my kids are empowered and truly believe that if, if they can think it, they can do it. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. 
The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, Gainbridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder Gainbridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today at Gainbridge.io. I met her down at Athens. She said that she saw me walking in about a mile away. Bean just had to take her phone and I just took her smile away. She said I'm too drunk and crazy. She don't like the way I dance. I said you don't have to join in. She said she'd take a chance. I've been kind of crazy ever since they went down. Broadway girls taking us into the new weekend. All right. <laughs> Back here on Overtime. We appreciate you listening along with us. Slim pickings here, William. Yeah. <laughs> hey, no, hey, no shot at our producer here, but I, I, I like the song. I do. You know, he's, did y'all see he's opening up a restaurant um, yes. off of Broadway? Yeah, off Broadway. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure the Broadway girls will go over to the Morgan Wallen I'm Bar. I'm sure they will. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk about the NBA All-Star Weekend. <laughs> Only the finest. Uh, starting, <laughs> oh, my goodness, uh, which starts tonight. you got the uh, Celebrity Game, Rising Stars Challenge as well. Um, and then tomorrow you have the um, Slam Dunk Contest, Three Point Contest, and the Skills Challenge, the actual game on Sunday. Uh, what event are you most looking forward to, Max? We'll begin with you. Well, I have a. I don't know if this is a hot take. I'm not a huge NBA guy, but I enjoy the, the Saturday content way more than the game. I don't think I've ever watched an yep. actual NBA All-Star game. Right. Um, I mean, the over-under is 360. That kind of turns me off right away. Um, just knowing that there's <laughs> no not going to be much. Defense no defense. It, I mean, pretty much all. It's like the Pro Bowl. Like Pretty much all game, All-Star games are taken pretty unseriously nowadays. Um, but I, I love watching the three-point and dunk contest. I feel like the dunk contest, you know, I know it's a, a square take I guess but it, it isn't doesn't have the juice I feel like it used to have uh, I mean reaching into the G League for a guy to to participate but Mac McClung put on a great show last year excited to watch him do it again and the three-point contest and skill showdown are really fun parts of the weekend as well I really look forward to those I will hold out hope forever that we get the the old school dunk contest back where it's actually you know worth watching you know Levine and Gordon and, and the guys in the early 2000s this year's is a pretty good field, actually, uh, when you look at it. Jalen Brown, I think it's going to be okay. He's going to do all right. Jacob Toppin, I'm kind of excited to see. Yeah. Um, but it's always going to be the dunk contest for me. I've watched it basically every year since I was a kid. So, uh, for me, it's a dunk contest. I think, for me, the new thing they're trying this year, that Sabrina and Steph Curry yeah. thing that they're going to try, the three-point shootout, <clears throat> uh, it's something new. I mean, something we don't usually see. So, that, that'll be interesting just to see how they do it. Um, and really looking forward to almost everything, especially with the LED court. I mean, for yes. the dunk contest especially, that's going to be wild, yeah. whatever they do with that. Yeah. Um, I think the Sabrina-Steph Curry thing will be cool. That um, won't be competitive, right? Well, that's about, I was about to bring it up. You know, if Curry loses that one, um, that, that I mean, Twitter would have a heyday. He's going to try and make her look good, I feel like. He they're, they're shooting from the NBA line, too. Uh, she's shooting from the WNBA line. I oh, think. they are? She I, is. He's shooting from I the think NBA she, line. I think she said she was shooting from oh, the she NBA line. Okay, last I saw, she was shooting from the WNBA line. Really? I, I, saw a, I, I saw a quote where she said, and I'm shooting from the NBA line, Oh, too. okay, well, all right. Um, I, I don't, I'm, that's not confirmed, but um, – It's not a huge difference anyway, I don't think. Not huge, uh, but I, don't, I think the ball would be the only – She is definitely using the WNBA yeah, ball. Yeah, I know that yeah, for that, sure. Yeah, that helped. Um, mine is obviously Saturday night as well. I love the game, by the way. I do. I watch it every year. Um, and I know it's not always as exciting, but uh, the the 2021, I think it is what it was. I, that was one of my favorite All-Star games ever. Just a couple of weeks after Kobe Bryant's passing, they had the target score of 24. And that ended up going down to the wire where you had, I mean, literally a whole stretch of play where the, they were playing like actual bat, like hardcore, yes. mm-hmm. um, you know, fouling situationally. Um, you know, it, that was fun as can be. Um, so I do miss the 
competitiveness at times. Uh, last year was a little bit ridiculous. I'm I, some people get wowed by Damian Lillard pulling up from half court. I think it's uh, terrible. Um, I <laughs> I much rather watch a game of the best players, not a um, you know. And look, you can have the moments every now and then where you know uh, Giannis dunks over Steph Curry and and Curry lays down and stuff like that. <laughs> like I get those moments, but. I, I think the three-point shooting where they just chuck it up from like 10 feet from behind the three-point line, I'm not a big fan of that. I'd much rather see a competitive game where you're taking NBA game shots. Um, now, I know for probably the, uh, I guess, the uh, appeal of the game, people want to see stuff they don't usually see during a game, but I, I've never been a big fan of that. Um, the dunk contest, let's go down the uh, contestants. you got Mac McClung, um, who won last year. Uh, plays for the Orlando Magic, also on their G League team. Jalen Brown, um, one of the only All-Star that's actually in the All-Star Weekend Slam Dunk Contest. Um, and then Jacob Toppin, Obi Toppin's younger brother, used to play it. Kentucky, Kentucky, am I right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then you got Jame Jaquez. I don't know what he's going to produce as a dunker. Um, he's uh, six, plus 650, the lowest odds out of the four. Um, be interesting to see what he brings out. But um, <laughs> And then you got in the three-point contest, uh, you've got Damian Lillard, uh, Malik Beasley snuck in there, um, Tyrese Halliburton, Trey Young, Jalen Brunson, Lori Markinen, Donovan Mitchell, and Carl Anthony Towns. Towns had a really big year. Uh, I think it was last year. Last year. Yeah, it was really big in the in the uh, shooting contest. Um, and as you gave earlier, earlier Trey Young at plus 600. Um, Damian Lillard, the favorite. Malik Beasley, second favorite, tied with uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, but I – I, I love the weekend personally. I just um, growing up, like I guess it's what is it President's Day on Monday? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's always been like a, a long weekend, um, and I just always made it like I'd go get a Domino's pizza for the the Saturday night edition, and um, you know get the the cookie brownie. You know what I'm talking about? The, yes. The cookie brownie. Eat one. Yes. Eat, eat the pizza. Fall asleep after you eat the cookie brownie, but you're still awake because of the the, the dunk contest, the three point competition. It's always been one of my favorite parts. So I, I love it. It's, it's it's special to me. So I always love this weekend. I'll be watching tomorrow night. Um, but uh, big big day tomorrow for the Vols, both in basketball and in baseball. As uh, the Vols also in action tonight in baseball, taking on Texas Tech. We'll break it all down on Monday. Thank you so much for tuning in, uh, Max Pennell, Dawson Wise, William Pattison. Signing out. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs>